in recent talks, I've been looking at the teachings that we receive from adversity. And ways in which we resist and then acquiesce to, in spite of ourselves, what we might call helplessness or perhaps sometimes misunderstood as dependence. And this dependence is something that Rinzai is always cautioning us about. I'd like to read a section from his words in teaching the assembly. As usual, Rinzai can be uh, quite severe perhaps terrifying. So then I will read from Pema Children's The Wisdom of the Escape. (laughs) So different approaches to the same topic. Followers of the way, if you want to attain real understanding of Dharma as such, Simply do not be deceived by others. What is the first deception? Others. Others, right? (laughs) Right away we see a whole self-other. First deception. Then he says, This mountain monk hits whatever they bring. Now you're supposed to cower in fear. Okay, ready? If they appear depending on the hands, I hit the hands. What is it to appear depending on the hands? Good works, things that you do. Pardon? Good works, things that you do. Things that you do, depending on the hands, He's getting at something where the student goes to the teacher, depending on the teacher's hands. Okay? So we often think, as a student, we would like to receive something from our teacher. Or we might think, give me a hand here. But that's the hand that that binds. This is what Rinzai is getting at. Dependence on the hands. We want it in this kind of childish way. We want to be shown how to go, where to go. Right? I was just in a gospel song, but I'll come back. About the hands. You know that song? I won't sing it. If they appear depending on the mouth, I hit the mouth. What about that? 
speech or words of wisdom. Right, clinging to somebody mm-hmm. else's insight through teaching, through oral teaching. If they appear depending on the eyes, I hit the eyes. Do you depend on what your teacher sees? How can that be true insight? Right? Again, someone else's way of seeing into it can never be yours. Of course, when he says, I hit, he doesn't mean, please don't misunderstand, okay? He doesn't mean he's whacking you on the mouth or the eyes or the hand. It's vibrant language. All right? No one so far has yet come in front of me in in solitary freedom. Imagine. Rinzai, Linji's, Tang Dynasty, China. Not one student has come before him completely free. So don't feel bad. <laughs> Seems like it's a common condition. Without exception, he says, all are ensnared by the worn-out devices of the men of old. What are worn-out devices? Sutras. What's the word device suggest? Like something mechanical? Form, ritual. Hmm? Form, ritual. Has use or utility. Use, utility, Mm -hmm. all of these things are true, what you're saying. But there's a particular Buddhist word in Sanskrit called upaya, which means skillful means. The first time a teacher uses skillful means may be shocking. That's why it's skillful. That's why it's a means. But worn out. Devices of the men of old. Oh, that worked for that student? Okay, I'll keep working with that. No. Every time it must be fresh. New. Hmm? Doesn't match. It can never match the moment that is already past. This moment. What was past can never match this moment. So skillful means must be realized afresh every single time. Just as Tom carving a Buddha, Bodhisattva, it's never the same, always brand new, fresh, even though he knows the skill of doing this and that with his tools, right? If he relies on the last time that skill worked, it won't be fresh, alive, New Buddha. Mm. 
This mountain monk, when Sai speaking about himself, has not a single dharma to give to people. All I can do is to cure diseases and to untie bonds. What is the disease? All forms of what? The dependency he was talking about. All forms of such dependency, which we may call ignorance. Ignorance is the disease that we all suffer from. Ignorance of what, you may ask? Impermanence. Ignorance of impermanence. Ignorance of what else? Our true self. True self. So many ways of referring to this, but Rinzai says, all I can do is to cure diseases. How is he curing diseases? If they appear, depending on the hands, I hit the hands, etc. Just one example. And to untie bonds. What are these bonds? Illusion. Illusion of all kinds, right? Who here feels completely free of entanglements? <laughs> well, that's what Rinzai said. No one so far has yet come in front of me in solitary freedom. So, okay, that's why we sit, that's why we practice with assiduity, with deep dedication. And then he says, followers of the way who come from everywhere, try to come without depending on anything. Just try to come without depending on anything. As you sit, your mind goes into dependence mode. What do you notice that you're depending on while you're sitting? Thoughts. Hmm? Thoughts. Thoughts. Finding Finding them to be real and trying to figure out where they're going to lead next and getting enchained in thoughts that way. Depending on the illusion that these thoughts are real. This is big. Without depending on anything. So how do you do that in your zazen? Come without depending on anything. Here you are. And immediately you notice that in your zazen you are depending on something. The breath. You can return to your breath, right? Are you depending on your breath? Hmm? All the time, he said. Can you breathe without dependence on your breath? What is that like? Just not being aware of it. Hmm? Just not being aware of it, maybe. I mean, most of the time we are. 
So to be aware of the breath is where to ask yourself, where does this breath begin? Where does this breath end? Whose breath is it? Who breathed out so that I may inhale? Where does my exhalation go? And to whom? To become aware of this flowing nature of breath. So to return to the breath, as you said, is a way of cutting those bonds of dependence. Just as you see the thoughts arise, to return to the breath immediately. It's not so easy, is it? Thoughts are enticing. We want to go with them. They're so brilliant. They're so entertaining. (laughs) Breath is so very boring until we don't have any more breath. And then it's like, (gasps) oh, can I please have this breath? One more, just one more. So to have a feeling of reverence for the fact that we do have breath, right here, right now, breath. This breath that is flowing on. If we are one with the breath, no dependence. Because it isn't an it that an I is dependent on. Just breath. And then he ends, if you could come in that way without depending on anything, just vitally, vibrantly, breath after breath, then he says, I would like to ponder this matter with you. this matter. This matter. Pema Children, in a chapter called Taking Refuge from the Wisdom of No Escape, probably everyone has read this book at least once, As I said, it's a lot more user-friendly than Rinzai. (laughs) But looking at the same predicament of our lives, I've always thought that the phrase to take refuge Buddham, Saranam, Gachami, I take refuge in the Buddha. Dhamman, Saranam, Gachami, I take refuge in Dharma. Sangham, Saranam, Gachami, I take refuge in Sangha. She says, I've always thought that the phrase to take refuge is very curious because it sounds theistic dualistic and dependent. To take refuge in something, right? Someone, something, some condition, some better place. I 
I've noticed that when difficult things happen to us, the tendency is to think that if we can just get through this difficult thing, we'll return to our good Zen practice. This is not at all Buddhism. This is not at all understanding true refuge. It's right in the midst of illness, injury, loss, that we find true practice. So never think, I'll wait until I feel better. The worse you feel, the more you must sit. You must come to the zendo. Don't think, well, I don't want to infect others with my misery. Sometimes people feel this way. I'll wait until I'm in better condition. Then I'll go. You might die first. Better to come and join in. Let us enjoy together the transformation that happens through just Miserable Buddha, okay. Frightened Buddha, okay. Depressed Buddha, okay. Getting back to Pema Chodron. I remember very clearly at a time of enormous stress in my life, reading Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> what a good idea, right? You might think you should read the Lankavatara Sutra, but maybe Alice in Wonderland would be more helpful. She says, Alice became a heroine for me because she fell into this hole and she just free fell. She didn't grab for the edges. She wasn't terrified trying to stop her fall. Maybe she was terrified, but she didn't try to stop her fall. She just fell. And here's the important part. And she looked at things as she went down. When I fell on the ice, I fell about five million miles an hour. So it was kind of hard to look at things as I went down, but I did feel that I was looking at things, strangely enough. And looking at things meant falling completely 100% into pain. And then looking at that pain, wow. Then, when she landed, she was in a new place. I got back in my car, and I couldn't use my right hand to turn on the car. New place! Wow! (laughs) She didn't take refuge in anything. This fall, just this landing. Not thinking, well, if I chant, maybe it will be better. Already, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, in that very landing. No separate place to take refuge. 
Then Pema Chodron says, I used to aspire to be like that because I saw myself getting near the hole and just screaming, holding back, not wanting to go anywhere where there was no hand to hold. So to be honest with ourselves, right? I don't want to do this. I want somebody to break my fall. Give me a hand when I need to get up. It's true, right? Honest. I call Disho. Please come take me to urgent care. (laughs) In every human life, you are born and you are born alone. You go through that birth canal alone. Think, even if you are twins, one of you has to go through first, right? I don't think there is ever any set of twins going through the birth canal exactly the same time. That would be horrible. And then you pop out alone, and then a whole process begins. What is that process? Our lives start unfolding from that loneliness, aloneness. Our lives begin to take the karmic shape that we have guaranteed. You ever think that way? Oh, you're guaranteed exactly where you are right now. You chose that birth canal by your last breath before. And when you die, she says, you die alone. Even if you're surrounded by loved ones who try to make your transition as smooth as possible, they cannot go with you, right? Cannot. No one goes with you, she says. Their journey that you make no matter what your belief about that journey is, is made alone. The fundamental idea of taking refuge is that between birth and death, we are alone. Therefore, taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha does not mean finding consolation in them as a child might find consolation in mommy and daddy. It's not that kind of dependence on the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and teachers and Sangha. Rather, it's a basic expression of your aspiration to leap out of the nest, whether you feel ready for it or not. To be an adult with no hand to hold. This is what we mean when we say Buddha. Ready to leap into the refuge of my true nature. It expresses your realization that the only way to begin the real journey of life is to feel the ground of loving kindness and respect for yourself and then to leap.
very difficult to cultivate the ground of loving kindness and respect for oneself, isn't it? Somehow we have been inculcated with a belief that we think is reality that we're not good enough, that we have to get to that place beyond our present uh, dissatisfaction with ourselves, you may put it, or infirmity of some sort. Being not up to a standard that someone else has set out for us. What is that standard based on? Someone else is feeling that they're not good enough, so they're looking for some other standard, someone else's way. This all goes back to what Rinzai was talking about. And then Pema Chodron says, in some sense, we never get to the point where we feel 100% sure, I have had my nurturing cradle. It's finished, now I can leap. As I said, we don't wait to do practice until we feel ready for practice, right? We do practice because we don't feel ready to practice. We aren't 100% sure. So she says, we are always continuing to develop loving kindness and continuing to leap. So for us, taking refuge means that we feel that the way to live is to cut the ties. It sounds paradoxical, doesn't it? To take refuge means that we are willing, that we feel the way to live. This means we are willing to go against, in a way, to go against our conditioning. Because our conditioning makes us feel that we're not ready to cut the ties, that we do have to depend on someone more uh, capable, someone whose wisdom is higher than ours, deeper than ours, someone who has been through many lifetimes as a Buddha and is now here as a Bodhisattva. Thank you so much. Well, we can't wait. We can't. We feel. Somehow we feel this. We come here and we feel this. I may not be ready, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right? Right. Yeah, you have to say yes. (laughs) (laughs) We feel that the way to live is to cut the ties. The ties that bind. We don't need these ties. That's what Rinzai said, right? To cut those bonds. Those ties that bind. That's what the teacher is doing. The teacher is always reminding you, don't depend on me. Find your own way. Cut the ties. Is it easy to do? No. Not at all. And this is my practice right now. With this dominant hand out of commission, I have been thinking so much about all the ways in which I have been 
relying on a paradigm set up by, we might call it, the tradition of uh, patriarchy, of hierarchy, of domination. Very interesting to look at. And where do we go when we're not, when we're not feeling that we have to be tied, we have to be in accord with what was shown to us. All the things I've been shown have come out of that background. Now where do I go? How do I teach? How do I teach without a dominant hand is the real question. It's my koan right now. So to put it briefly, what I am finding most fruitful is to return again and again not to a sense of, okay, I have a ground from which I can leap. I feel that I am 100% sure that my nurturing cradle is finished, now I can leap. But rather to come from this feeling of utter vulnerability, utter no-knowing. Because what I thought I could depend on is clearly not dependable. And of course this is true for all of us. Whether we've had some grand illusion that's been dashed, whether we've had some deep gratitude for something that was shown to us and then got caught up in it and thought that was the only way to be or not. Everyone here has had some experience of that, I'm sure. For example, in music, right? How do you play coming from that place of it's never happened before, right? How, how does that voice sound? Sometimes you feel like a place of curiosity because you've never been. Ah, curiosity is a wonderful word. It's been taught a certain way. This is how you do it. But then to say, well, is it? What is it? What is doing it? What is how to do it? Very interesting. And yet to uphold this beautiful tradition that we have, not to dash that away, but to see what is is the purity of what we have received. How do we make it real for ourselves without creating yet a new... Uh, last time I was at, giving a talk at DBZ, a new ivory tower that has to be uh, struck down. This is from Yogan Senzaki's comment on uh, the iron flute. So to really see how easily we reconstruct an autocratic system, it's very hard. And in a way, being put in a cast is like being put in an autocratic system. So then they take the cast off. Then what? Then you sort of hope that the bone is going to stay together, right? Maybe not. Things break down. 
we usually think, oh, that's bad. Breakdown, no good, right? Of course not. We don't want a breakdown. Who wants a breakdown? But things break down. Things crack. Tom was talking last night about an, an old piece that he did, a very, very big Buddha, wood, and now many, many cracks. Then what? Keep the Buddha with all the cracks? Or let it go into... Return into... Ash. Combusting. This is our practice. To combust all the forms that we've been relying on within ourselves doesn't mean that we're going to sit any old way, do kinhin whenever we feel like it, chant whether we want to or no, okay, I don't want to, I'm not going to chant today. That's not what I'm talking about, so of course you don't misunderstand. But to see the, the pure freedom for ourselves, where is that? What does it look like? What do we have to break down? What do we have to stop relying on? So for us, taking refuge means that we feel that the way to live is to cut the ties, to cut the umbilical cord, and alone start the journey of being fully human without confirmation from others. Very difficult. Am I doing it right? Do I get approval for doing it this way? What's the real standard that I should be living up to? Without confirmation from others. Taking refuge is the way that we begin cultivating the openness and the good-heartedness that allow us to be less and less dependent. So, we're all on this journey. Alone. Together. <laughs>